0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, I actually have another story for you guys that I want to share uh, that actually happened over the holidays. So, I was fortunate enough to get some quality time with my 18 year old brother, Nick, over Christmas. And we had actually been wanting to create some custom hoodies for a side hustle that the two of us are working on together. And so, we sat down on the couch. Uh, with our masks on, of course, and I watched as Nick actually led the Google search. As he combed through the initial search results for design custom hoodies, I watched as he'd actually go ahead and hit the back button before a couple of the sites even finished loading. What are you doing, I exclaimed after the third time of him doing this, and he said, dude, you know, our internet is great. If the site doesn't load quickly, they're clearly not a reputable e-commerce brand. And, you know, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right of the homepage and look for a search bar. If he couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd hop back to the search engine result pages. So, you know, Nick was, like, noticing my confusion around his digital behavior. And so he said, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to go somewhere else to find it. So, you know, he says, no one's got time to make sense of a website's poor navigation. And I was just like, I was like bewildered, being like, who are you, Uh, sitting next to Nick's. But, uh, you know, at the time, I didn't think much of this interaction. But, you know, then I stumbled upon a company that is dedicated to tackling the very challenges that Nick encountered on his journey to find the best brand to order a custom hoodie from. And that company happens to be the sponsor of this week's podcast episode. Meet Squiz, a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. So Squiz has many exceptional products that are worth checking out. But the two that I have been most impressed by is their custom site search product. Now, for the sites that did load in a satisfactory time for Nick, he'd immediately go to the top right corner of the homepage and look for a search bar. And if you couldn't find a search bar or if his initial search didn't return what he was looking for, he'd go ahead and hop back to the search engine result pages. So Nick, like noticing my confusion around his digital behavior, said, dude, again, if they don't make it easy to find what I need via search, I'm going to find someone else who does. No one's got time to make sense of poor website navigation. For next generation, which is really the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation. Search is navigation. And FinalBack enables schools like yours to build custom smart site search. So that your nursing program page actually comes up when someone searches nursing instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. You guys know which one I'm talking about. And their DXP, is so it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. Now, a website CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management, right? Content management system is what website CMS stands for, by the way. Um, and it's an important part of your MarTech stack and an important part of the student life cycle. But that's just it. It's an important part A DXB, which is a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your Martech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with just a CMS. Or at least impossible without a giant IT web team to support all of the APIs and constant upkeep, yada, yada, yada. So... Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that, by the way, totally hurts your SEO, and get ready to meet the fastest, the most powerful, and the most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducer that schools across the globe are using to not just attract students like my brother Nick, but actually to nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, not counter to how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. To learn more about Squiz's secret sauce, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Squiz and be sure to start your research with their search bar. All right, guys, take care and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unrollified Podcast. My name is Zach Cruz, and I am the host for today's episode. And today, I am joined by someone who's basically, at this point, sort of a regular on, on the podcast. Um, and that individual is none other than Matt Ditelgen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Glacier. Welcome to the show again, Matt. Hey, Zach. Yeah, good to be here again love love coming on the enrollify podcast so happy to be here we were just uh, we were just laughing at the fact that I Think Matt and I have talked more in the past couple of weeks than I've talked to several of the people on my own team. So um, that's that's uh, that's exciting, and we're as always happy to have him back. So Matt, for folks who aren't familiar with you and and haven't been um, binging Matt Dittelgen in Rollify podcast episodes, um, can you help us? Uh, uh, can you give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are? And one way I like to just frame this for um, for our listeners is: imagine you're sitting around your dining room table, and your five year old niece or nephew or cousin or cousin's kid um, asks you what you do at work all day. How do you how do you go about responding to him?
1: Yeah, sure. I like to the way the way I like to put it is: is I really spend my time trying to figure out how to best advertise good things to youth so we uh, th- that's what we we really pride ourselves on is we only we only advertise things to youth that inform and inspire them, and we are constantly looking for the most innovative and effective ways of doing that so we we work with our clients we work with with high school students and and youth, and really try to find out where they are, how they're consuming media, and then also what what really where where are the gaps in the market what do we need to inform and inspire youth about so at a very high level trying to explain to a a younger niece at the dinner table. I guess that's probably the, my best crack
0: at it. Pretty well said, pretty well said. Um, (laughs) I, I, I like that a lot and I think that that is totally aligned with what, uh, you have shared with me about what Glacier is focused on and a lot of really the, the, uh, pretty large undertakings, um, that you all have committed to, uh, as a firm, can you then just give us the sort of elevator pitch for for Glacier and a little bit of an overview of um you know what your role looks like there I know that uh, you helped, helped you were obviously a co-founder then you kind of went on a little bit of a hiatus now you're back and you're you've got that nice title of co-founder and CEO now so help us help our listeners understand what Glacier is what you all do and then a little bit more specifically about um, what your role there as CEO looks like.
1: Sure, yeah, so we we are the best at advertising to high school students and youth. And and we really do that for, and like I said, we we really only advertise things that are genuinely good for youth and students in the long-term. So things like higher education, health and wellness, that sort of thing. We're making a really huge emphasis on mental health right now as well. Um, but a, a large portion of our clients are higher ed, so we focus a lot of our time there. And so what we really, and, and and so what makes us the best at advertising to youth and students is we have the largest high school advertising network enabling us to place ads directly in high schools, which is super unique, and we're really one of two firms in, in the entire continent that are able to do that. And then we also have, we're, we're constantly doing research and finding out which platforms students are on for social media and digital and which ones are the most effective, what content works the best there, how to best use them for lead gen and that sort of thing. So we have the best uh, youth focused digital strategies as well. And then we also have the largest youth influencer networks. So we work with youth micro influencers uh, that are both high school students or, or college students um, or even just larger, you know, more TikTok influencers or general public um, influencers to promote higher ed. And, and we're really innovating in that space as well. And so that's what our, that's what the firm does. And then uh, my role as co-founder CEO, that's always a tough question because it varies so much, but I, I guess it really depends, you know, what the firm really needs at the time. Um, right now, as you kind of alluded to, we've set our, our goal that we want to help make the next generation the most mentally resilient generation ever. And so we're trying to find uh, groups that are actually moving the needle on that, and, and partnering with them to help get them uh, to build awareness with them, with the youth audience, because that's what we're really good at. And so we're looking for partners there. Um, and then we're also trying to figure out how to best serve our college and university clients and what how can we best fill the gaps in the market that we see, which which we think right now is a, is a lot of TikTok. We think there's a big gap in the market with TikTok. So we're constantly trying to figure out how to best use this platform uh, to do that and, and who do we need to bring on the team to do that. So, yeah my my day is very different depending on what we're looking at uh but you know a lot of the time it's talking to people I love like like higher ed or or you know people like you that are in the space or or right now I'm spending a lot of time talking to mental health focused charities and groups like that so it's it's a it's a lot of fun every day is different and and uh it's really all just geared towards that that purpose of informing and inspiring the next generation and and really helping move the needle on on mental
0: health with youth. I love that. And I mean, you know, there are a few things that I think are more important than focusing time, energy, and attention on helping build a more resilient next generation. So, hey, if you get to wake up every day and uh, get to figure out how to tackle that beast of a problem, that's not a bad place to be. Um, talk about sort of feeling uh, purpose in your work. I imagine that, um, you know, it, amidst sort of all the administrative stuff that you have to deal with reminding yourself of sort of this greater purpose that you're working towards. And again, one that is so timely and so important. Um, not a bad way to, to start your Monday mornings. Um, so (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I want to talk actually about this new report that you all published. I believe it was either last month or right at the turn of the year. And it was this awesome report around sort of the state of high school, uh, advertising and really sort of the digital advertising to high school students. And it was sort of a combination of, hey, what are the tactics and the strategies that high school students are responding to right now, coupled with where is higher ed spending their money? Like how are higher education marketers spending their money to get in front of the high school audience? And I thought that after I saw this report, actually, I think I saw it on through some uh, collaboration you all might have done with AMA is maybe where I first stumbled upon the report. And um, clicked through, downloaded it, and was just really impressed by the amount of time and and energy and resources that I'm sure went into uh, producing that report. And you know, a lot of the times when you're downloading a white paper or an ebook, it's a lot of fluffy content. Um, and, you know, maybe you've got like one cool, you know, stat or a couple of pages of value and then the rest is, is is quite fluffy. But this report was chock full of information that I found incredibly interesting that I hadn't seen elsewhere. Um, and and or as, you know, proliferated and as exhaustive as as you all sort of um, uh, put, you know, these these findings together. So can you just give us a quick little overview around the genesis of this report why did you guys decide to do this um obviously you know 2020 was a crazy year for for all of us but higher ed marketers in particular so talk to us a little bit about why glacier decided to put together this report and then how did you go about sort of conducting the the surveys um that helped sort of um inspire the findings that you all discovered
1: sure so we well first of all thank you for for that we put a lot of time and energy into the white paper, so glad to hear it's getting some. Uh, it's it's giving some value to some people, so that's great to hear. So yeah, we do. We've done a, a white paper for the past two years now with one of our research partners, Academica Group, and that one is purely focused on and facing high school students. So how are high school students consuming content and advertising from higher ed? So that one is is really the the student focused white paper. And then when, when the pandemic hit and we we started talking to our, our clients in higher ed about, you know, what are the challenges they're seeing? And, and then also, uh, what what are the problems that they need help solving? What really started coming up is people just kept saying, like, how are our colleagues, how are our peers dealing with the pandemic? How are they, What are they doing with their marketing and ad budgets to reach prospective students? And so what we decided to do was... Publish a white paper that was now client-facing. So we had the the youth-facing report, and now we wanted a a higher ed-focused and facing report on what is higher ed doing with the pandemic and how are they spending their budgets to reach high school students. Um, and so we we did that, and we we canvassed our clients, and we we reached out to a whole bunch of people through AMA, uh, asking how what what you know if you could ask your peers any question, what would you want to ask them? Hmm. And so we tabulated all those all those questions and then we sent it out to our network and we had a 187 of uh, college and universities respond to the survey and and then we we tabulated all together and now what is so cool is we have both ends of the market so we know how high school students are interacting with and consuming content from higher ed and then we know how higher ed is putting out content and so it enables us to be in this unique position where we can see where are these massive gaps, hmm. where are high school students going that higher ed isn't, and where are high, higher ed putting stuff that high school students are, and we can see all these really fascinating trends in the data, and we can really come up with uh, unique strategies to take advantage of these opportunities.
0: I love that. We'll jump right back into the conversation after a quick message from this episode's sponsor. Just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Element 451 for making today's conversation possible. I've been talking with several several of you um, about their new product packs and just want to reiterate how much of a game changer i think that this is for the higher ed crm space so you know that moment after you've finally gone through the whole rfp process you've done you know training and onboarding with the crm vendor that you selected and then you know you're in the crm and you realize oh my gosh there's just so much work to do to get up and running right like we've got to build out our conflows we've got to build out our landing pages etc well with packs by element 451 this headache goes away because what packs is, is it's essentially pre-packaged content, right? Pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your enrollment management team or your marketing team or your IT team weeks to do. No code needed, no writers, you know, no wasted time. Each pack is designed with a very specific goal in mind. So for example, you could install the senior search pack and in minutes, you'll have five personalized emails that are totally branded to your school your audience segments um, and a whole marketing automation workflow that will make the campaign run effortlessly. So in a fraction of the time that it usually takes, you'll be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals. We all know that uh, time is everything, especially these days. So what's super cool about Element 451 is that they're, you know, they're finally a higher ed CRM that actually comes with content, guys. Like this is game changing. Uh, Anyways, learn more at element451.com com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's element451.com forward slash enrollify. And if you'd like a personal introduction to the team there, um I, I know artists um, and they are uh, just a fantastic group of people and I'd be welcome I'd, I'd welcome any opportunity I can to introduce you or your team to their customer success team. So feel free to reach out to me directly at Zach Z A C H at enrollify.org if you'd like me to make that introduction or even give you a sneak peek behind the scenes look at how the product works. All right, everyone, thanks so much for your time, and thank you, Element, for making today's conversation possible. Enjoy the show. So you guys talked a a lot about uh, social media in the report and how how higher ed marketers uh, changed their strategies and and approach and ultimately spend uh, across social channels, across digital advertising channels, and even traditional media and print advertising. Um, Can you just give us sort of a a cursory overview of what were those findings? Um, How did at the highest of levels uh, behavior change as higher ed marketers had to respond to uh, a a situation that was unprecedented in in our space.
1: Yeah, we saw we saw a lot of budgets shift into digital advertising. No surprise. I mean, with uh, with traditional advertising like like billboards and transit and the likes, with ridership and, and viewership decreasing, we saw and then also the the budgets for in person events and recruiters. Those plummeted, and so therefore there was this this pool of money left over, and really nowhere else to spend it. And so we saw a huge shift in towards digital advertising. Um, what was what was interesting, though, is that there was still an increase in transit and billboards and, and that kind of spending, which we found shocking actually, because huh. you know the, when the pandemic happened, the viewership of those plummeted. So we were shocked to see any increase whatsoever even though the increase was less so than the other platforms uh there was still an increase which we were kind of blown away
0: do you think Um, do you think that that was just because it probably cost less like you know some of the big dogs pulled their ads and so there was space and real estate available and people were hungry to fill it with something or what do you what do you think was going on there
1: yeah that's a good question i mean we we, we we have an out-of-home advertising product, right, with our high school ads that's considered out-of-home advertising. And so I'm sure, and, you know, we've seen it too, like the sales for that have plummeted. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore, I'm sure all the all the account executives or salespeople at those firms probably were just giving out fire sales because there was no one buying it. Yeah. So it would just be like, you know, they got called by the rep and it's like, hey, 10 cents on the dollar advertising. Are you interested? And they're like, yeah. Why not, So. Yeah. Maybe that that could be an explanation for it, but I, I don't really, you know, because personally, if I were, you know, sitting in the in the shoes, I, I would not be buying transit or billboards uh, because there's just nobody seeing them, especially during a lockdown, like nobody's out there. Um, so that was that was interesting, and then and then yeah, we saw we saw the biggest shift towards um, actually Snapchat was where the the biggest one increased, and and that one we found. Quite surprising actually because the, the actual usage of snapchat by higher ed is very low it's at 9.5 yeah. percent, even though 87 percent of students are on it so like so a lot of these findings were actually very surprising we we were shocked to see a lot of the numbers we did see and i mean i don't know how granular you want to get into it but uh like there's just this huge disconnect between where high school students are and where higher ed is you know like only 34 percent, I think, of high school students are actually on Facebook, and yet 77 percent of higher ed are spending their budgets on Facebook. Yeah wow. like that, one, that alone is just like, like what is happening here? And then you know, 95 percent of students are on Instagram, uh, and yet only 61 percent of higher ed is advertising on Instagram. So we were, we were blown away. We thought it would be the complete opposite. Like all of higher ed would be on Instagram uh, and very low on, on Facebook, because that's just not where prospects and high school kids are.
0: Do so, so you think, I'm just curious on that point, is it because Facebook, for, for example, sort of has a robust portfolio of tools that make it really easy for folks to understand sort of the ROI of their ad campaigns, right? And understand from a targeting standpoint, uh, I'm not too familiar with sort of uh, the uh, targeting abilities that Snapchat provides sort of in their ads manager. But, you know, obviously Facebook ads manager has been around for a while. It's relatively robust there's a lot of data that that facebook has on on that you can tap into to get in front of prospects do you think so do you think it's more like because people know how to use these platforms and understand roughly sort of like okay on average i'm going you know my cost per acquisition of this new contact is going to be in the twelve to fifteen dollar range or or whatnot. like is it is it because we just understand in higher ed how to better report on those particular ad campaigns that this disconnect exists or what do you think sort of like underlying the reasoning behind this?
1: I think there's, I think there's two, two reasons. The first being exactly what you just said, it's been around the longest and well, maybe not the longest it's been around a long time too, but it's been around for some time and therefore there's a lot of familiarity with it. And the ad platform is really well built out. And so therefore I think usership is just higher because it's, it's more easy to use. People know how to use it. There's a lot of institutional inertia there. So I think that's probably a part of it. But then the other one, which is mind blowing, and we still don't really know why, but the the performance of Facebook ads are still really good. Yeah. And and we've seen this with our clients too, like, like the the click-through mm-hmm. rates, the lead gen, like that kind of stuff. Facebook consistently performs really well, like even better than Instagram. And and so we don't really know why. It, it's it's fast. So we're you know, initially we were like, like get off Facebook. Like why is anyone advertising on Facebook to high school kids? But now we've, we've changed our tune actually because the numbers that we're seeing from our client campaigns on Facebook are still really good. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, it's definitely still be on Facebook because you're going to get a pretty good ROI there because the click through rates and all that kind of stuff are really good. However, if you're only on Facebook then you're missing out on a huge section of the population, like 65 yeah. percent of high school students are just not there. So you 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 have to be on other platforms, or else you're just going to miss a a huge swath of the audience. So yeah, I think I think those are really the the two reasons why there's such a, a adoption still of Facebook.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how much you know our decision making when it comes to our ad spend and. you know, how we think about approaching, uh, digital advertising as, as enrollment marketers is determined by, okay, what do we know? What's easiest and what can we report on effectively? Like what's going to look good in our, you know, quarterly marketing report, um, or our, you know, when we have to report to our VP of enrollment management around sort of like, okay, how did spend do from digital this year? What, you know, how many butts and seats can we source to Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat? Mm -hmm. the reality is, a lot of the time, that's determining sort of the channels and the strategies that enrollment marketers are using to recruit students. Even if there's sort of like this disconnect between where people actually are, where the large majority of of prospects actually exist and, and spend their time on on digital, I just I think that that's fascinating. And you know, for the for the folks then that you know are doing Snapchat well, for example, like they must be. They, they must be seeing some decent returns um again maybe they're they're looking at sort of the outcomes a little bit differently maybe they're not worried about lead gen necessarily from Snapchat and they are able to be a little bit more focused on general brand awareness or you know general click through rates um but i imagine for the schools that are using Snapchat because there's a limited number of other institutions doing this well in theory they, they must be seeing uh, they they must at least be able to capitalize on a fair amount of that attention without much competition.
1: Yeah. I and it's funny you mentioned Snapchat and Lee Gen, because we've actually we've we've been experimenting with Snapchat and Lee Gen and it's going really well. Wow. Lead okay. gen is going really well. And and I almost I almost hate to say it because I don't want to give out all of our secrets, but we've uh, <laughs> using Snapchat for Lead Gen and it's been working extremely well for a lot of our clients.
0: So then, and- what's what's the what's the friction in in more schools getting on Snapchat? Then, because again, what what we heard several uh folks say over the past six to nine months, in particular, as you know, you know, Snapchat was huge in theory a few years ago. Then Instagram came, and, and they sort of monopolized with Instagram Stories. A lot of folks said, "Oh, well, you know what? Facebook owns Instagram. Like Instagram Stories are great." Like forget Snapchat spend, let's tap into the ad network that Facebook makes available to us and run a bunch of Instagram ads. And now you're saying, oh, wow, like we're actually seeing some cool ROI from a legion standpoint with Snapchat. So like what what do you think, where's the friction? Why, why aren't more people doing it? Is, it? is it simply a lack of awareness? Is it because, oh, the ad type is a little bit harder to create than it is on a Facebook or Instagram or where, you know, from Matt's perspective, why aren't more schools on Snapchat?
1: I think it's probably just less familiarity, honestly. You know, I, I think a lot of higher ed marketers they're they're probably on on Facebook, they're on Instagram, and so they know the platforms really well. But you know, after after Gen Z, once you get into millennials and 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 older, they you know, no millennials. So it's the network effect. Like, no millennials and older are on Snapchat. And Snapchat is primarily a communication platform, and less so a content consumption platform. And there's, therefore, they don't really understand it. They don't know it, you know. So if you don't understand and know something, it, I, I've I've heard this from clients a lot. They just they they just don't know what content to put on Snapchat yeah. or TikTok as well. And they don't want to. The, the the analogy I've heard before is they don't want to feel like they're showing up to. You know, an old person showing up to a nightclub and it's all you know, eighteen-year-olds or twenty-one-year-olds, and they're like, "Who's this person?" So, <laughs> want that feeling, and so I totally get it and understand it. But it's it's just you know, these are the I, I do. I'm so bullish on on Snapchat and TikTok even more so. I think it's the way of the future. And so I think you've really got to figure out these platforms and figure out how to use them, or else you're you're going to become, you know, you're going to become obsolete over time.
0: Do you think there's a good framework for? folks who are interested and willing and like, yes, I believe you, Matt, and I wanna jump on board with this. But at the end of the day, when it comes to reporting, um, I'm struggling to figure out how to justify sort of, yes, okay, the impressions on Snapchat are great. The click through rate is meh, um, but the cost per lead is, you know, five times, six times greater than the cost per lead that I'm getting from like a Facebook art and maybe none of that is true. But how, how do you how do you go about i guess encouraging folks who are willing to tap into these new channels that aren't really even that new these networks that have been around for a while but are are willing and able to sort of spend more in these on these platforms but are struggling to figure out how to effectively educate leadership on what to expect in these new channels because i think there's just a, a dearth of understanding when it comes to like hey Yes, the leads coming in from this, like we see this with LinkedIn a lot at the graduate level, right? Your cost per acquisition of a new contact from LinkedIn, like it's it's more often than not four to five, sometimes six times greater than your cost per acquisition of a contact on Facebook. Um, however, in our, looking at our data, right? What we see all the time is that the quality of those people coming in from LinkedIn, they convert into applicants at a much higher rate than the folks coming in off of Facebook do. So, is is there like a similar sort of parallel there that you'd recommend folks who are interested in spending more money on these these uh, these networks, where again there's a huge amount of their target audience that lives and breathes? How do you, how would you recommend they go about sort of convincing the powers that be that this is mm-hmm. what they should expect um, with with respect to outcomes? in these in these various channels
1: i think there's a big education component to it you know, we see this with our clients a lot too in 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 what what platforms and what what channels work best for each stage of the funnel and so we see this a lot of times where people start applying engagement metrics to an awareness tactic and or a convert or even worse like a conversion metrics to an awareness tactic and mm-hmm. it's like this that's just not going to work. You know, if you like, like out of home, I, I still really think out of home is a is a great medium because it just gets such great, such great awareness and it's physical and it's, and it's, you know, that's why we still do high school ads too, because they're in the school. The kids inherently trust them because they know that the principal wouldn't put something on the wall that is not, you know, already trustworthy. Sure. And and it's going to get impressions on a daily basis, but we have clients that say, oh, well, how many clicks did we get from that ad? And it's just like, that is just not, it's not how it works. Like, if that's what you're looking for, you know, go pour money into search engine marketing. But if you do the awareness work, then that search engine marketing, those, those, those costs per leads are gonna be so high because people don't click on stuff that they don't know about. And, and so it's it's really, I think, an education piece, and that's gonna take some time. And, and managing up and really, you know, teaching people these principles of marketing and how the funnel works. And it's also just not a perfect science. You know, someone might hear about you from an out of home ad or some kind of awareness ad or, or an influencer, and then they engage with you through your website. And then they, you know, like come to one of your open houses or something. So it's, it's not like the money you spend on Facebook is going to be like, you know, trickle, trickle, trickle weed. Like that's not how it works. Like it, people jump around and bump around all times in the funnel. So it's not going to be this perfect science. Um, And so I think, I think it is a big education piece uh, for one, but then I also think it's, I just think the pilot project is the most beautiful tool to use as a, a because it's like, or the, the test, like, you know, everyone will say yes to a test. So just, just getting, so, so first doing that education piece and saying like, look, TikTok is not a lead gen tool. It's, it's barely even an engagement tool it's really a great awareness tool. And so just look at it from the impressions perspective. And and so just just saying, hey, let's let's do a test. You know, let's just let's throw five grand into this. Uh we can we can re-rehash some of our Snapchat material or whatever, some of the vertical video, put it on TikTok and just see what happens. And and almost almost any you know university administration will say yes to a test of yeah. that of that side. Yeah. So I, I think it's education and then Just the power of the test or the pilot project. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful. I I appreciate that. Getting back to the report, I was shocked to see Spotify and Pandora at the top of the list just under Snapchat um, in in terms of channels that higher ed marketers were, were tapping into and that they reported seeing an increase in results from. Um, can you just unpack that for us a little bit i these aren 't channels that are that tend to be top of mind for higher ed marketers um at least folks that are trying to again get in front of gen z and i 'm just curious you know what do you think is going on here it, are are the people in my network that we talk to all the time just you know antiquated in terms of where where they're spending their their cash is is uh, spotify and and Pandora advertising something that everyone and their mother just does, or I was actually very surprised to see that beating out the channels like Instagram. um so help us understand what's going on there.
1: yeah, sure. so the when you say you know or the people you're talking to, Antiquator or whatever else, I think there there's another stat that we need to keep in mind, which is that twenty three percent of higher ed marketers are advertising on radio. And 13% of higher ed marketers are advertising on Spotify and Pandora. So there's still significantly more higher ed marketers advertising on radio than Spotify and Pandora, which again is one of those stats, which just blew my mind. And, and I just can't understand why. Like, like no high school students or youth are listening to radio anymore. It just doesn't exist. You know, they're, they're all listening to Spotify and Pandora. Every usage stat I've ever seen in the past year, has been all about Spotify and Pandora, and and now with the ability to advertise programmatically on on Spotify and Pandora, I just don't understand why you would advertise on radio anymore. Yeah, you can just be more targeted. You you can have way more measurability. It just makes way more sense. So, so there's there's that caveat to begin with. But then, yeah, the change during COVID nineteen and how. Um, there was an increase of 60% of people spending, or sorry, 40% spending on Spotify and Pandora. We were pretty shocked by this too. We, we, when we did this, we were expecting to see Instagram in that top slot because where all high school students are. And then it's the, the highest next to Facebook in terms of usage by higher ed. So we were expecting Instagram and then we saw Snapchat and then secondly by Spotify and Pandora. So we were shocked. Um, and honestly, I, 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 my best guess would be that higher ed marketers were probably thinking there's a lockdown and, and students are spending more time at home. They're going to be consuming more radio and more podcasts and whatever and listening to Spotify and Pandora more. So therefore, let's get our ads there. So that, that would be my best guess. But again, we were just as surprised as you to see these numbers after the survey.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I was also uh, surprised that, you know, YouTube sort of wasn't, you know, ahead of Spotify and Pandora either because, you know, I totally understand the the logic of at home people are spending more time consuming content. But a lot of the like my younger siblings, for example, who are who are Gen Zers, um, neither of them, you know, they don't listen to Spotify or or uh, or even Pandora. They listen to music and get a ton of content via youtube um so i was also sort of just surprised that um yeah that that youtube you know didn't make it into sort of in into the the top three there um but yeah no i i think that when it comes to you know maybe something going on right is that the higher ed marketers that were spending the 23 percent right of them that were spending on traditional radio funneled some of that budget because people were going to be commuting less into you know Online digital radio, um, which is Spotify and and Pandora, obviously. So yeah, no, I, I was I was really really surprised, and I'd love for any of our listeners who have had great success um, via a Spotify or Pandora campaign would love to un- unpack that you know case study and and whatnot with you because I think that this is an area that we just don't talk a lot about in in higher ed, um, and if it's performing well and if people are Seeing it as a viable channel for again, whether it's just impressions, engagement, maybe even conversion somehow, um, I'd love to to know about that so we can unpack that more and 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 you know build some frameworks around how other institutions who aren't effectively using these channels might see might see some success from them. Um, Matt, can you just talk to us about events? Uh, obviously, you know events changed pretty dramatically because of COVID and 90 plus percent, as you guys note in your report of institutions moved to strictly virtual events, um, if any events at all. What are your sort of just thoughts, predictions on the future of event marketing? How do you think hired marketers will go about promoting um, future opportunities for collaboration and connection between admissions officers and prospective students, faculty members and prospects, et cetera?
1: Sure. Yeah, this this year was an absolute decimation on in-person events and recruiters and you know there was the the numbers around how many uh how many universities and colleges were going to see significant decreases in in-person events. It was about 78% of marketers and then 57% of colleges and universities are expecting to use recruiters significantly less. And this was a big question that we consistently got from our clients and, and higher ed marketers of, you know, what are other schools doing? Because we, this is a, and we've seen this too on the high school facing surveys too. That is how high school students primarily get the best feel and vibe and, and really make their final selection is going to the in-person events and, and actually seeing them. So not having those has been probably the biggest blow to higher ed marketing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and so, Unfortunately, we didn't get any real silver bullets from the, from the survey. And I, I guess that's kind of, it, it kind of makes sense. Like there's no real silver bullets in life or, or hardly ever. And so um, the, the how, how schools are redistributing that budget. So the, uh, 96% of them have shifted to digital events, unsurprisingly. And then, like I said before, 39% have increased their digital ad budgets to make up for event marketing. Um, or the the lack of in-person events. And then in terms of what what a lot of the schools are doing, since there's no recruiters, the biggest shift we've seen is that 90% are using that same, uh, whether it's human capital or or budget, they're putting it towards Zoom, Skype calls at 90%, uh, call, text, email at 76%, which from our other research shows that about 40% of kids now are open to receiving text message from universities and colleges. So if if those in-person recruiters are, are, you know, just sitting on campus, not doing much, getting them to text prospects is not a bad move because prospects are more and more open to receiving texts. Um, Then the other ones are engaging on social media. 62% of colleges, universities are doing that. Increased digital ad spend, 34% are doing that to make up for recruiters. And then the other one which we found interesting was 27% are using prospective student ambassadors. Mm. And this, this is an area uh, where we see a trend continuing. From our research, prospective students, they trust current college students more so than any other group, even more than their own parents, than guidance counselors, than college representatives. So and, and that's why we're so bullish on using current students as well for content creation, because Prospective students, high school students are going to trust the content put out there by college students more so than any other content. And so leveraging and finding a way to harness that energy of these current students that are your best brand ambassadors for either content creation or even uh, talking with prospective students is just, it's, it's the best way to do it. And so we've, we've heard of uh, different colleges, universities, they're setting up WhatsApp groups with prospective students, and then putting in a current student there in the in the same program as those prospective students, uh, we've heard pretty good success with that. So um, that's where I think a lot of a lot of energy should go and is starting to go. But then also, what I, what I think is going to persist, I think it's similar in the business world. Like I think a lot of businesses are realizing, like, why are we sending people on planes to do a lot of these meetings where we could do it over Zoom? Yeah, you know. So I, I think that once the world starts opening up again, there will be a shift back to in-person events. But I think there's going to be a larger percentage than people probably think of events that continue to happen digitally. So this is both the same with the business world, and I think it's going to be the same with higher ed. There's going to be a, a lot of students that are saying, why am I you know, flying on planes to go to all these campuses when I could just do a digital uh, digital event and get the same vibe without leaving my living room? Yeah. So. I think there's gonna be a lot of that. So I, I really think uh, investing in digital events is not a bad move. I don't see that trend going the other way. And then also with the advent of mixed reality and augmented reality and virtual reality, I think investing in that and figuring out how to be on the cutting edge of that technology is only going to be good because once Apple comes out with their glasses, which is rumored within the next couple of years, these these digital events is, are only gonna continue to increase and the quality is only going to continue to increase
0: love that so much so much gold there and um you know one of the things that i i wonder if this if something like this will happen is you know the, one of the ways that prospective students will weed institutions out um will weed colleges and universities out is based off of how their digital events are run it's almost like i, I still think at the end of the day for a large chunk of students anyways Visiting a campus will especially if they're going to live there will be will be helpful but right now right you 've got your average high school student visiting you know anywhere between five and ten different colleges and universities um, with you know mom or dad or both before they're making that decision that might be you know reduced to two right and so part of what could happen, I think with the future of digital recruitment events is there'll be opportunities for schools to show off who can pull off the best digital recruitment event, and that'll be one of the things that I think applicants will use to help make their final decision about okay, where do I go and visit it's not you know it's no longer down to the the top five but maybe like the top two, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how schools adapt and whether or not we see sort of pretty, you know, competitive changes um, to how schools run these virtual experiences and how enrollment marketers get creative about pulling off events that don't feel just like a Zoom webinar. Um, And so I'm excited to see sort of as these new platforms evolve, as folks just get more creative about how to break up content, make, you know, asynchronous content being something that i feel like schools aren't doing enough of right now with respect to helping prospective students um discern whether or not their program offerings are right for them i think that there's just a lot of low hanging fruit and no one's no one sort of has like the the corner on the market with respect to digital recruitment events in higher ed and i think that there's lots of room for schools to get really creative and um you know be leaders uh, be sort of on on the bleeding edge of like this is how you inspire people so much digitally that like they can't help but be compelled to come see you physically um at least for a tour so curious to see how how all that evolves
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think you made a couple really good points there i think the digital event could be a huge competitive advantage yeah you know it's it's shifting away from the digital event could be what loses you the student as opposed to wins you the student but Hmm. i think shifting towards something that could actually win you the students, because I think you're right. Like, like at that kind of middle of the funnel range where students are right now, they would have traditionally gone in person to the five or 10 campuses. I think you're right. Like, I think instead now that is going to be replaced by digital unless they're, unless they're like, you know, within a 10 mile radius uh, that will be replaced by digital. And then they'll have their last two or three, I think that will go in. So I, I think you're absolutely right on
0: that. Well, Matt, my final question for you is, and you've touched on this a little bit with thinking about uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and how folks should think about preparing for the technological uh, uh, advances that will be here before I'm sure any of us are ready for them. Um, And I'm curious, just uh, putting yourself sort of in the shoes of a VP of, of enrollment marketing at a college or university right now, you've got some money, um, hopefully you know, budgets have been, uh, budget freezes have been lifted a little bit. Obviously it's still a little bit of a you know, precarious uh, time in higher ed, but um, putting on, you know, stepping into the shoes of, a, of a, an enrollment marketer that has some budget to work with, how would you think about investing your time, your money, your resources, with respect to digital advertising in this moment, given we've just been through a crazy year where hopefully soon-ish as people get vaccinated coming out of this crazy time, I'm sure things will, some things will have been permanently changed, but as you see sort of the future of digital advertising to the next generation, what should enrollment marketers be focused on?
1: I, I look at what is the, the biggest white space right now? Where, where's the biggest opportunity? Where's the blue ocean where no one's playing? And, I think it really is on two platforms right now. It's TikTok. You know, the, the TikTok has surpassed daily usage of YouTube. It is, you know, it's not going anywhere. It is a massive platform already and it's only going to get stronger. And so I think TikTok is massive. And I mean, over 85% of kids have the app and they use it very regularly, but only 1.9% of higher ed marketers are actually on the app. So that's a huge gap. And so, just being on that platform, you're going to be one of, you know, out of out of 187 we surveyed, there's probably like six, maybe four that are using it. So, it's like, that's that's a huge white space. And then the other one, I think, is Snapchat. So, you know, similar usage numbers, 87%, and then only 9.5% of higher ed is actually on Snapchat. So, again, the same kind of white space. There's just nobody there. So, that... I I typically like to compete where nobody else is because then you know you're going to win just by being there. (laughs) So I'd really, really invest in those two platforms and figure them out. And then the other one is with current students. So like I already kind of alluded to, prospective students trust current students more so than any other group. So figuring out how to best leverage their content and just them as brand ambassadors I think is just a great way to leverage those current students. And I mean, they, they want to, and it's, and and, then they're there and they're just content generating machines and they're really good at it and they love doing it. So if you can figure out how to harness that energy, then
0: I, I think it'll be a sure way to win. Well, Matt, fantastic. Thank you as always for your time. Super helpful. And if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to book some time with, with Matt or someone on your team?
1: Yeah, sure. You can just check out our website, weareglacier.org. Uh, can can connect with one of us on there or you can just send me an email to matt.diddlejan at weareglacier.org. And happy to take a few minutes and, and chat with anybody with any kind of youth strategies or anything like that.
0: Fantastic. Well, appreciate your time, sir, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Zach. Great to be here. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.